How does anyone go from being someone dealing with mental health struggles to being someone who goes out and advocates and spreads awareness and breaks stigma about mental health struggles? How do you go from living it to talking about it in a public way? And so today, I wanted to dive a little bit into some of my early foundational roots that resulted in bringing me to where I am today in regard to my openness about my own mental health stuff. So hi, (laughs) I'm Sarah Cornblit, and thank you for listening to Hope While You Cope. This has been such an awesome journey, and I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me via email, hopewhileyoucope at gmail.com. If you are a visual person, this podcast is totally available visually on video on YouTube. So check it out if that's your preference. So let's dive in a little bit and I'll share with you. The first time I was in therapy was when I was in third grade. Yep, you heard it. Eight years old. My mom was pregnant with child number five and I was the oldest. So at eight, I already had three younger siblings and another one on the way, all sisters, by the way, (laughs) which is significant because that shaped my life, being one of five girls. So I was feeling a little bit down about the fact that my mom was working full time and stressed out because she was pregnant and I didn't feel like she had enough time for me. So she arranged for me to see a local play therapist and I still remember those sessions. I remember we got, um, we had these little pot holders that had faces on them. So we used them as puppets. And I still remember like propping one up to look like its feet were up. I guess my mom had like swollen ankles from pregnancy. And so I positioned this little puppet. And I remember processing and talking about my feelings from a very young age. From a very young age, I was given the message that there is no shame in getting help and that you don't need to be in crisis to get help. Those are extremely important messages, right? For sure about there's no shame in getting help, that to have that in your mind from a young age that you don't need to tough it out and figure things out on your own all the time. But also, I think that some people think about therapy as just a last resort. Your life is totally on the brink of disaster. Your relationship is about to end, right? It's this last resort kind of thing. And gratefully, luckily, I was able to see therapy in a very different light from a young age, which is a good thing because of a lot of the struggles that I ended up dealing with. So, The first really, really significant mental health struggle that I faced and continue to face, but it was really, really big for me, was ADHD. And it was undiagnosed until I was in ninth grade. So when I was younger, when I was in elementary school, I kind of skated along because my grades were terrible. I look back at my report cards, um, but I did well on standardized tests, and so I just passed through the grades. But it was just classic. I look back and I see the, just what the teachers wrote. Sarah is 
you know, bright, if only she would apply herself. Sarah's great, tell her to clean out her desk. Tell her to clean up her backpack. If only she would do her homework. If only she would pay attention in class. Tell her to stop drawing. <laughs> so it was just very classic, but it was, it was at that point, it, was, it wasn't as freely diagnosed in a way that was hurtful to me because what ended up happening was I started, you know, at, in those formative years when I was developing an identity and understanding myself often at that age and always, right? We compare ourselves to our peers. We compare our, our progress to the pro- or lack thereof to the progress of our peers. And in my own eyes, I fell very short. I would study for tests with my friends and they would get a 97 and I would get a 71. And I, so I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really have the ability to see things in that, in a complex way. And, you know, it's concrete. You get bad grades, you're stupid. And so I started to think that I was stupid. I would sit in the back of the classroom, corner of the classroom and just draw which ended up serving me because now I still draw. But back then, I kind of was checked out, except for in math class where I did well. (laughs) Everywhere else, I was checked out. So, okay, skated, skated, elementary school, middle school. Come high school, I went to a high achievers high school, and there were four tracks. Because of my entrance exam, I don't know how they, and my interview, the impression they had of me on my interview. I I don't know how they missed my report cards. I was placed in a high honors track. And that was when everything came to a head. (sighs) I mean, it was how long ago? 17 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday because of how ashamed I felt. So no more 71s. Now I was getting in the 50s, literally failing. This was, it was like a whole different league from being in elementary school. This was a big school. This was high achievers. These were pushing all their students to get to a place where they can go to Ivy League college, right? Everything was about your transcript, your trans, like, and here I was failing. And it was a dual curriculum, Jewish classes and English classes. So every day, eight something to 5 30 p.m and I was failing and because of that failure I was feeling very isolated from my classmates and feeling so so bad about myself because when you have ADHD it's confusing because let's say for me I had really good comprehension It was hard for me to like summarize things. It was hard for me to answer questions on tests. Something like certain things would just escape me or even when I had to sit down and do an essay or do study for a test, like my mind would go blank. Um, It was really rough. It was really, really, really rough. And so the, the principal had me come into her office and she said, you know, we know that there, with ninth grade, there's an adjustment period in the beginning. And we account for that with our students, but this is totally beyond what a normal adjustment period is. And I was just horrified. And I just want to say, she was very nice in how she said it. 
and her calling attention to it is what set the ball rolling, you know, to get me tested. So I got tested by the evaluation team and lo and behold, (laughs) I had high IQ, low achievement, right? So I had ADHD, inattentive type. I was so embarrassed because I don't know, I thought of, when I thought of ADHD, I just thought of hyperactive little boys. And here I was, a ninth grade girl, and I was just so, so embarrassed. Um, so when I got started, so basically that was when I started on medication for this ADHD. And at the same time, I also got diagnosed with depression. And it's not really hard to figure out that that was a situational depression. I was basically in an environment where I was failing, feeling isolated from people around me, and just feeling horrible about myself. And so I started um, with stimulants and with antidepressants. That was a journey itself with the medication, trying different types, losing my appetite, being feeling like a zombie on some, you know, withdrawal at the end of the day. It, it, there were so many different factors playing in. But finally, once that medication situation stabilized and I really began to integrate and understand that I learned differently than other people, I was finally able to breathe and stop trying to do things the way my friends did them. And the school was phenomenal with me in regard to helping me get accommodations. Um, They let me record classes if I wanted. They had, you know, they arranged for me to get photocopies of notes from people if I wanted. And that was really helpful because once I stopped having to focus on taking notes and could just listen, it made such a huge difference. And then I would photocopy someone's notes, study from them for the test. But it was just about learning how I did things. And so definitely got a lot of comments from people. You know, I remember in that ninth grade year, someone said, do you ever try? Do you ever pay attention? Someone from my class. Because I was always like, even if I started off my page neat, it would just like transition into like script and then bubble letters and then nothing to do with class and then drawings. (laughs) So I guess the people who sat around me noticed. And so there were definitely hurtful comments that I fielded, but as time passed, I just got more and more comfortable. So you're probably wondering, hmm, interesting story, but what does this have to do with your journey towards breaking mental health stigma? And so I only recently remember this, actually, as I was thinking about this podcast and what I wanted to talk about. When I was in 12th grade, there were some courses that I took for college credit, right? I took calculus. Um, I took a speech, like a public speaking class, and I took special ed. And in special ed, we learned about all different kinds of um, learning disorders and learning challenges. And I actually, I, I can't believe I did it. I'm so proud of my 17 year old self. I approached the teacher and said, when we learn about ADHD, I would like to speak to the class about what it's like 
to have ADHD. And she, I mean, I can't imagine what she thought, how, what she, how she felt, her high school student coming up and wanting to speak about it. But I prepared a talk. And when the day came, I stood up in front of my class. And, and these are individuals that I, I had not been open about my ADHD. And I talked about the insider view and the perspective of what it was like for me to have ADHD, to be diagnosed in ninth grade, to struggle with not feeling good enough. And I remember that I got a really positive response. People were really just kind and warm. And looking back now, I see that there must have been something within me that wanted to utilize my experience to help broaden the mindsets and the outlooks of others. I wanted to be able to describe things in a way that they could understand and hear me. And then perhaps when they encountered someone else with this in their life, they would be more thoughtful. I remember one of the things I said was that, you know, when people casually would say, oh my God, I didn't do it. Oh my God, I'm so ADD. I can't do it. You know, making these jokes can be hurtful if you're talking to someone with ADHD that's massively impacting their life, right? Um, And I remember talking about that. And now, as I see where my life path has gone, you know, taking me to becoming a mental health professional, and then ultimately years into that, talking even more in depth about different challenges I've faced, I really look back and see that as a formative experience. And I wanted to include about going to therapy when I was in third grade. And I went subsequently to different therapists, eighth grade, ninth grade, 12th grade, who knows? I definitely continue to utilize therapists. But the backdrop of being part of a family that validated and did not put any shame, attach any shame or blame to mental health struggles I think is what lay the foundation for me to be confident enough as a 17-year-old to want to make a difference and want to talk about my experience. So I'm excited to share the next stages of my journey um, and how I got to talking about the depression and anxiety and panic attacks that I experienced subsequently as an adult. Um, And I am looking forward to talking about that in future episodes. But thanks again for listening and being part of this. And please email me. I would love to hear from you and get to know who these wonderful people are at the other end of the, of the what? At the other end of the sound wave? Electronic device? I don't know. Well, at the receiving end of my message. How about that? Let's make it more lofty than technical. (laughs) All right. See you next time.